Welcome to Advancing Word with Dr. T.D. Stubblefield. In chapter 55 of Isaiah, verse 11, God tells the prophet, So will my word be which goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me void without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. Standing on this promise, T.D. Stubblefield Ministries is committed to sharing biblical principles with individuals, families, churches, communities, and our world, believing that only the Word of God can advance us in God's perfect plan for our lives, where we can experience liberating faith, lasting hope, and unconditional love in a relationship with the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Dr. T.D. Stubblefield with today's Advancing Word. There's a word for us this morning, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, beginning at verse 1, reading through verse 9. would like for you to read along with me in whatever translation you have as we reverence God's word. And our brethren could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are you able. For ye are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are ye not carnal, who then is Paul and who is Apollos, but ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man? I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither he that planteth is anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God. You're God's husbandry. You are God's building. May the Lord bless his word. I want to preach this morning from the subject, the mathematics of maturity. The mathematics of maturity. Allow me to say, first of all, that this text emerged in my heart and mind, the confluence of a number of things. And as many times as I have read 1 Corinthians and this particular chapter, as many times as the Lord has taken me to this text, I had never quite seen because the focus is foundational. The focus is spiritual maturity. I have never quite seen that Paul essentially capsulizes and categorizes spiritual maturity from a mathematical grid. Wow. It ends in just a hint of where we're going, and God gives the increase. He capsulizes, he categorizes, he presents spiritual maturity with a mathematical model. And when I think about that, the study of numbers alone in the Bible is significant. One is the number of essence. The essence of anything is that one of which it is. 
Two is the number of duplicity. Three is the number of revelation. Five is the number of law. Six is the number of imperfection. Six, six, six is ultimate evil. Twelve is the number of representation. There is a sense in which there is a mathematical focus in the word of God. Do you not hear the psalmist saying today, teach us. Teach us to number our days. That we may apply our hearts to wisdom. Life is not promise. You can be here today and gone today. Paul uses the same type of focus when he says another thing we need to do as we live out our days is we need to reckon, and that's a mathematical term in the book of Romans, we need to reckon ourselves dead to sin and alive to God. And who can forget it encouraged me so often, perhaps it has encouraged you. James focused when he said, count it, count it all joy. But never had I looked at 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and seen this mathematical grid that this pastor, this apostle par excellence uses to encourage the spiritual maturity of his flagging flock. Corinthians, this congregation is one of the most challenging of Paul's congregations. The one that stretched him and perhaps even stressed him. And he writes here to encourage their walk with the Lord. And I looked at the dictionary this morning. It told me that mathematics is a science of dealing with the measurement, properties, and relationships of quantities as expressed in numbers and symbols. But there are four axioms when you look at the mathematics of maturity in this text. There's four axioms that I believe are in the text. First of all, the first axiom obviously is that sin subtracts. Sin subtracts. He he says, "I, I can't speak to you as spiritual. I have to speak to you as carnal. He identified the Corinthian congregation in chapter 1 as saints. But that had to do not so much with their experience, but their position in Christ. Because they were not acting like who they were. He says, "I, I want to speak to you as spiritual, But I cannot because you are carnal. You are under the control of the flesh. Now to put this in context, because actually the thought that begins in chapter 3 verse 1 actually extends back to chapter 2 because what Paul has done doctrinally is laid out a framework. He says, first of all, there is the natural man. There's a word in the original from which we get our word psychologist, sukakos, there's a natural man, the unregenerate person. They may have a PhD. They may have an MD. They may be rich, but they have no relationship with Christ and therefore cannot understand. Cannot understand. They may live on not healed, but cannot understand the things of God. Then there's a spiritual man, the new Matacor man, in whom the Spirit of God dwells. And the Spirit witnesses with their spirit that they are the children of God. 
He, he lays that framework out as he moves into chapter 3. He says, but within the Christian life, there are two absolute possibilities. You can be spiritual or you can be carnal, but you can never be both at the same time. And the determination of which one you or I are is who's in control. If the flesh is in control, you're carnal. If the spirit of God is leading, then you are spiritual. I want you to turn to a passage with me because I want to make sure we understand this. In the book of Galatians, chapter 5, beginning at verse 16. Now, before we get to chapter 5, verse 16, Paul says to the Galatians in chapter 2, verse 20, he shares with them his own status quo in terms of his spirituality. He says, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live, I live now by the faith of God who loved me and gave his life for me. Dr. Stephen Alford, the late Dr. Alford, a great evangelical preacher, wrote a wonderful book called Not I, But Christ. He clarifies and expands upon that thought. What does it mean to live a life that's not I but Christ? In chapter 5, verse 16, he says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary, the one to the other. So that you cannot do the things you would. Kind of sound like what he said in Romans. The things I would do, I do not. And the things I would not do that I do. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, various emulations, wrath, strife, sedition, heresies, envying, murders, drunkenness, reveling, and such like. Other which I told you before, as I've told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But then he says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. So at any one point in time, we're either manifesting the works of the flesh or we are bearing the fruit of the Spirit. And the determination is who's in control. Sin subtracts. Sin diminishes us. It diminishes us. It diminishes us. It decreases us and places us in a status below what God intends. One wise preacher likened, he likened the Christian life to a vicious dog fight. And then he was asked, which dog wins the fight? And he responded very quickly, he says, the dog you feed the most. (laughs) When we look at this text, It reminds us that the most oppressive and ominous consequence of sin is what it does in terms of creating in us a diminished capacity. Because what sin does as it subtracts is that it diminishes our capacity to understand the word of God. Now some folk may not think that's important, but the word of God is our lifeline. Not your credit card, not your fine car, not your suit, not your degree. 
What's going to get you and me through life, through the storm that has not, if it has not already come, is on the way, is the word of God. Man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word. It's the word of God that keeps you from imploding when everything is exploding around you. It's the word of God that will anchor your soul when hell has come into your life and your circumstances. As he deals with this diminished capacity, he says, I can't speak to you as spiritual. I have to speak to you as babes in Christ. And when you examine the etymology of the word translated babe, this is not a focus on age. Because there's a word in the original for that. This is like grown folk acting like babies. See, the level of carnality in this congregation necessitated a modification of the spiritual diet. He says, I, I can't, I can't feed you spiritual meat because you still own the milk diet. Now now let me break that down because if you look at Hebrews chapter 5, 13 and following uh, Hebrews chapter 6, he deals with the same focus. Milk is the basic doctrine. Most of us have it down, the gospel Uh, the the doctrine of salvation. We know that Jesus died, buried, rose again, and if we trust in him, we shall be saved. The doctrine of repentance. When we're out of order, we need to get right and turn back to God. Change our mind. The doctrine of baptism. Most folk here know what baptism is. You know that water don't save you. If it did, we'd be running folk through there every Sunday. That's milk. The carnality diminishes our capacity to move to the higher doctrines. While those doctrines are good, you need something. You need to know the doctrine of the Trinitarian essence of God. You need to know the doctrine of predestination that you just didn't show up on planet Earth. In eternity past, God. The doctrine of hypostatic union that in Christ there was two natures in one. He was perfect man, perfect God. He was as much God as he was man, as, and much man as he was God. All in one. We need to know authority orientation in marriage. And in the church. And in the family. We need to know ecclesiology. We need to know the role of the pastor, the role of the deacon. We need to know eschatology, that this is not our best day, that our best days are not behind us, but our best days are in front of us. And these folk could not receive the meat because of their carnal status. So the first axiom in the text as we look at the mathematics of of maturity is sin subtracts. Here's the next one. It's in the text. Man divides. Man divides. This is not a gender-specific affirmation. Left to our own devices. Left to our own agendas. 
left our own arrogance, left our own self-centeredness, we always divide. It happens in marriage. It happens in families. It happens on the job. And it happens in churches. When folk are not functioning with a full package. When folk are not functioning under the authority and viewpoint will of God, you're going to have division. Preach, man. And that's why I don't apologize about saying we are not concerned about Pat Pews. We are concerned about Pat people. Because you have Pat Pews with unpacked folk. You got a train wreck ready to happen. This next movement in the text. See, see there, there is first of all problems in the ultra-personal relationship. They're not spiritual. They are carnal. But those problems in that ultimate relationship results in problems in the social experience of their faith. This is the most factious, fractured, fragmented, divisive congregation in the New Testament. Write down James 4, 1 through 3. I'm going to read it for you. It's wonderful because James, the brother of the Lord, gets to the heart of it. He says, from whence cometh wars and fightings among you? Come they not his, even of your own lust that war in your members? Ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. You fight and war, you have not because you ask not. You ask and receive not because you ask to miss, that you may consume it upon your own lust. When lust patterns are driving our dynamic, you and I will experience division. Man and woman divides. One of my mentors and professors said that God wants to make integers, integrals, integers, a whole number. God wants to make us whole, but Satan wants to make us fractions. He want to make your marriage a fraction. He want to make the relationship with your child a fraction. He wants the church to have fractions. But God is concerned about wholeness. He's concerned about oneness. Isn't it interesting Jesus is so concerned about this. While he could have said many things to the disciples, he focuses on this social dimension in the upper room as he's anticipating his death. He says in John 13, 34 and 35, he says, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another. That you love one another as I've loved you. And then he says this, he says, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples. In John chapter 15, verse 13, he says, greater love hath no man than he lay his life down for his friends. Isn't it interesting in the high priestly prayer of Jesus Christ? Three times in the prayer, verse 11, verse 21, verse 22, he says, Father, I pray that they might be one. Even as we are one. And Paul, as he addresses this congregation, he tells them that in their worship and their ministry, there is a more excellent way. He says, it all comes down to one thing. Though I speak with the tongues of men of angels and have not love, I am a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. 
Ask him number two, left to our own devices, functioning out of our own limited knowledge, functioning out of our own skewed viewpoint, we divide. No wonder the history of civilization has been riddled with wars and more wars. In fact, eschatologically, one of the insignia of the last time is the Lord say there shall be wars. And rumors of wars, because we on our own cannot bring about peace. I don't care what we do in the United Nations, there's going to be no peace on this planet. I don't care who's the president. I don't care what party's in charge. There's no peace coming to this planet until the Prince of Peace. And let me bring that home. There's going to be no peace in your marriage until the Prince of Peace rules. There's no peace in that relationship until the Prince of Peace rule. There will be no peace in your life. There will never be ultimate peace until the Prince of Peace come in your life. Sin subtracts. Man divides. Let me give you a third accent. Send the text. Sin subtracts. Man divides. Here's the next axiom, servants adds. Servants add. Paul says, let me correct something. You have an erroneous evaluative grid. It's not about Apollos. It's not about me. It's not about Peter. We all are servants. The Lord himself said, I am a servant. I have come not to be ministered to, but to minister and give my life a ransom for many. In the same chapter, Paul says that the church has been founded on a foundation that no other man can lay, which is Jesus Christ. What do servants do? Servants recognize that there are others who labored before they did. And that they are building upon a foundation that someone else has worked on. And for the church, the ultimate foundation is Jesus Christ. And all any of us can do is add. God, in his ultimate wisdom, has placed you on this planet to add something to the project. It ain't about retiring from your job. You're here and I'm here because God has placed us here with specific gifts specific aptitudes to add. Quit worrying about what somebody else is doing. Quit looking at other people. What are you going to do? Because servants in the context of the mathematics of maturity, they add, they, they bring something to the table. Every one of us one day will be judged. And it's a wonderful chapter. You read the rest of it. I didn't read it all. But he says we all build on this foundation. Some build with precious stones and some build with wood, hay, and stubble. Let me tell you something. All of our work is going to be put to the test. And only what we've done for Christ will last. Christ knows what we add. The reason we are still here is God is not through with us. You you do know, like I know, that you don't have to be alive. But God has left us here so that we can number our days and we can add something to the project.
servants enter into humility, recognizing that they build on the foundation of others. Here's the last one. Here's the last one. Let me summarize. What are the mathematics of maturity? Sin what? Subtracts. Man and woman what? What do servants do? Now here's the good part. You know what God does? God multiplies. You know what Paul said? He says, y'all focus on the wrong person. He said, now, Paul planted because he's talking about how he founded the church. He says, Apollos watered. But God, but God, but God gave the increase. See, I want to move from subtraction, from division, from mere addition. I want God to multiply. Is there anybody here that wants to be on a multiplication basis? When I was a young boy, kids don't know nothing about this now, but I had to learn my multiplication tables. I had to learn that one times one equals one. Two times three equals six. But I got some spiritual multiplication. I like to lay on you before I take my seat. Let me share some of God's multiplication. They that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength, shall mount up as wings like eagles, run and not be weary, walk and not be tired. Let me tell you about God's multiplication. You can give him your little bit and say, have your own way. And God will take your little bit, your little money, your little joy, your little hope, your little job, your little house. Do I have a witness? You might even think you have a little marriage, but give it over to the Lord and he can work it out. Do I have a witness? Thank God for multiplication. He multiplied by grace my situation. Woke me up this morning. Started me on my way. You have been listening to Advancing Word with Dr. T.D. Stubblefield. We pray that you have been encouraged with what your ears have heard and your hearts have felt. Explore our website at tdstubblefield.org. For more information about us and to obtain resources provided by T.D. Stubblefield Ministries. Until next time, be blessed and remember to stop stressing and start stepping, advancing in faith, hope, and love by reading and applying the Word of God so you can stand on certain truth for uncertain times.